welcome to The Big Deal, where we unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and much more. Subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player and don't forget to sign up to www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Big deal. We are back after two weeks. I'm Jack Hudson, and joining me as always is AFL legend Warren Trudeau. Trudeau, how are you, mate? Hardo, how are you going, mate? Yeah, a bit better. <laughs> Obviously, it was my fault they were off for a week, but. Um... Oh, no, we'll tell everyone it was a Christmas break and a well earned Christmas break. And yeah, the fact that you, you loaded up on the hamper made you sick, and that's why we're back this week. Always the Christmas hamper, but they wouldn't be uh, publishing uh, my weight in any AFL uh, books, would they now, Treaders? Jeez, we'd be in some strife if they uh, the big deal published our weight, wouldn't we? I'm pushing at least one something, 100 oh. and... I keep trying to say I'm playing weight, please. Oh, well, bullshit. I'm playing weight, but that's B-grade football. Though. Different playing, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't. Oh, this is just wokeness gone crazy, isn't it? Mm. Like, if we're worried about putting players for mental health, you know, then we should get serious about social media because that's where it all happens, really, isn't it? And, you know, I often heard a lot of current players whinging about the pressures of social media, but they're the first to be on social media. So Mm. um, I I get it. I get what the league's trying to do here. But if you think how many people would buy, I call it the AFL Bible, as part of, you know, registered Mm. media, the AFL sort of sends these out. Like these um, sorts of things that we've got. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the footy guide. record season guide. And that goes through weights, play games played, history of, you know, players who have done really well at your club, certain trades that happened back in 1986, the first national draft. I think it was maybe Martin Leslie, former mm-hmm. Port Adelaide Premiership champion, who was fit, pick one, went to Brisbane many years ago. So it's great from a Bible perspective. The footy Bible, they used to, they call it, um, yep. in terms of records. And that's great. But what we think that now the old Warren Treadray or whoever could be 194 centimetres and now what? Oh, no, we're not going to reveal his weight because people make judgment. Well, mm. the reality is I think it's gone soft. And I also think, too, the fact when's the last time a person picked up the footy record season mm. guide and gone, oh, pick a yeah. player. Tom Lynch is 110 kilo. Oh, you're fat. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one pe- does that. people sledge off the back of what they see. Mm. Um, you know, it's no different as some people were whinging a- about West Coast. You know, the players looked out of shape. Well, you do it from what you see on your eye or what you see on the vision. You don't do it from the optics of whether it's your fat shaming off the back of what's written in a book because otherwise, you know, they'll take out heights too because someone's a tall giraffe. <laughs> Or Maybe a stumpy giraffe. wombat. Yeah, you know what I mean? Skates. Yeah. A little oh. mosquito. Oh, oh gosh. it's. I think there's bigger issues to fix, aka holding the ball. Is that fair? No. Yeah, but like, you can be 110 kegs and be fit, and you can also be 95 kilos and very unfit. Mate, we had blokes who had six packs in the day. Yeah. Yeah, they blew, they got 70 skin faults, 70 mil <laughs> skin faults. And anyone who doesn't understand skin faults, I think I was about third lowest in the club at. 40 or 38 or from seven sites or eight sites or whatever it was. But I couldn't get a six pack to save myself unless I pushed my little bonnet down. You know what I mean? Everyone has different, <laughs> everyone has different, um, you know, and some of these players had six packs were fit mm. players, but they just had, you know, and the classic for the old um, uh, skin fold was if you're sort of on the love handle or the front bit on the ab, I used to have a little bit on the ab. If I could stand to 10 there, I was happy. All right. Yes. Yep. And I had skinny, you know, in terms of no skin fold on my legs, but some blokes would have 30 on two sites, their calf and their quad, but they're the most ripped beast you'll ever meet. Oh, this is just ridiculous. This is absurd. I'm pretty sure Dane Swan's commentary on Twitter was quite funny. Um, he's posted an old uh, photo of the Herald Sun front page, uh, how they were calling him fat, and then he won the Brownlow that year. So. Yeah. And, and as they said back in the day, it was some blokes took it as a privilege for the fat club. You know, and, and to get in the fat cab, you've only got to blow out more than 10% of your body weight. And then they say body weight, right, and skin folds included. 
Right, if you're a 100-kilo player, come back 110, you've got problems, right? But if you did skin fold and you go, well, I'm normally 50 to return at 60, mm. and it also can be um, human error that can yep. catch you out. So some of the greatest players I've ever known were in fact club. Yeah. So they got themselves in shape for the season. And sometimes uh, there was always a good story back at the Crows when they used to do the 5-1Ks. Everyone had to get their best time. Oh, God. And after Darren Jarman rumoured to have tried about four or five times to get his PB on the morning of the first trial game, I said, it's great news, boys. Yesterday morning at 7 o'clock, Malcolm Blight stood up there and said, Darren Jarman got his uh, PB. <laughs> no one questioned Blighty. <laughs> and uh, running wasn't Fudd's strong strong uh, case. Oh, but when he good. when he kicks 50 goals from the pocket and kicks five and a quarter of a grand final and dominates, well... You can understand why sometimes there may have been leniency, or maybe he just got his PB and his five one Ks. Yeah, exactly. And uh, holding the ball, yeah, that's probably a bigger issue to fix. There's a few other ones as well. But um, moving on with footy, Ma- Michael Voss set the sign a two year deal extension with Carlton. Is this too early to make that move? Like they had that obviously the miracle run for the second half of the season, but is it too early? Not just let it run. Like who's going to be looking for a coach this year? Like doing that sort of thing. Well, I feel like anything, though, that they're obviously clearly happy with what they've got. Mm. He's had to come in. When I say the word fix, fix from the outside. Like, we don't know how much was broken on the inside after David Teague, obviously, was coaching there. But he's come in. They struggled two years ago. He played finals. We were talking round six. People were saying, call for his head, call for his head. Well, he still had a year and a half to go on a contract. We saw that there were boardroom discussions at Carlton. Reality is their barnstorming finish to the season after the quarter mark of the season has been simply brilliant. They've done a really good job. They were really impressive in the finals. You'd think they'd improve off the back of missing Mackay for a serious part of the season and a few other guys. Um, so clearly he's got the program on his terms. And how many years has he been there now? Uh, I think that was his second year. Yeah. Second year? Like it makes sense to lock away a coach who's doing a really good job. You know, I mean, and we're not talking a long-term situation. We're not talking the Damien Hardwick situation where he'd been at Richmond six or seven years or, you know, in, in, in other discussions at other clubs, coaches have been there longer. So, you know, you say, has he got them where he's got them? Well, yeah, they're on an upwards tra- trajectory from where he's taken them. You know, and Carlton hadn't been consistent performance for a period of time. So mm-hmm. it looks as if the players are buying in um, and you understand why they would look to do that. And, and they're talking that a deal will run to, what, 2026, isn't it? Yeah, would be. So... Yeah. Yeah, so 2026, you put on two more than what he's got. I think most you'd ask. And for me, it's not the fans are one perspective you listen to. But if you you feel the temperature from Carlton, mm. and I was speaking to a mate today, he's a mad Carlton supporter. They're really happy the way the direction's going at the club. Yeah. If they crash and burn right this year and play a terrible brand of footy, well, then you go, well, hindsight, they've jumped too early. But for a guy in his coming into his third year and after playing finals and being really impressive after being challenged, they turned around the group, the players bought in, then you'd you'd obviously look at doing it. I think it makes a complete amount of sense. Yeah, well, watching them, how they tore us apart was uh, a bit interesting. Um, speaking of Port Adelaide, Todd Marshall as well, set to sign a four-year deal, according to the Nine Network. Um, four years, that's a long time, but he's a key forward. He did struggle a bit towards the end of the year with hip issues, but I, I don't mind it because I, his best is very good. Well, you look at Port's perspective from the outside. What have they done, Jack? They've gone all in, haven't they? Yes. They, they got Horn Francis in, gave up a heap of picks. They did this, um, moved out Dersma. They got in Zerk Thatcher. They got in Radagalia. Jeez, who else comes to mind? I'm still in Soldo cricket sweet. season mode. Yeah, <laughs> Soldo, yeah Soldo Sweet, get their first ruck, a backup ruck. Reinforced. They've got good young kids in Visitini. Ollie Lord showed some really good signs. Mm. Fast forward 12 months, you're not expecting probably Dixon to go on. Um, yeah. Some were suggested whether he went on this year in terms of form because I thought Marshall was sensational. Oh, not Marshall. Uh, Lord was sensational. George Artis coming back from a knee reconstruction. Oh, I like where it fits. sits. He's a free agent this year at the end of the year, Todd Marshall. Clearly doesn't want to go anywhere because if these reports are correct, uh, I'm not sure. And it was mentioned, I think, Tom Morris did it, who's now working for the Nine Network, um, yeah. as well as SEN has said a four-plus-year deal. Free agency, the average is six years, some of the big deals that are going. Um, two years ago, ripping form from Marshall. 
you know, kicked 40-odd goals, was really reliable, um, their best forward, big forward uh, for the year. And I think with he and Georgiatis, you've got two guys that complement each other. One's more bash and crash aerial threat, which is Georgiatis, so if he comes back from his knee. Yep. And Lord's probably a bit of both. You know what I mean? And Marshall was probably more moves with the space, reads it really well, and can convert in front of goal when he's pretty reliable. You know, but obviously this year, I think he had two concussions in the first in a three week period. One from yeah. an errant foot that kicked him in his head. Um he then carried hip injuries towards the end of the year. So if he's fit and firing, he's clearly part of Port's future. But as yeah. we see with free agency, if you want to keep him out of free agency, the managers just say it needs to be a long term deal. And obviously Port's done their due diligence to make this call. 100%. Uh, but I'm, like I said, pretty happy with that. Um, go over to Melbourne. What is going on at this football club, Treaders? Like, obviously, Joel Smith, this is he's facing a minimum two-year suspension. He's set to fight the ruling, um, reportedly found guilty of um, taking cocaine before a match against Hawthorne round 23. And David Schwartz has come out and smacked um, his old club as well, with obviously Clayton Oliver's stuff going on. But what is going on here? It seems like there's all sorts of issues. Well, this is the thing. From the outside, you can only commentate on what you see. You know, the how I could fathom, and yeah, I might have been a stiff. I didn't drink much, and when I did, I had an eight-day break, and I'd get pissed once a year or twice a year and then had my blowout and whatever. I'm not a drug taker, so I don't understand that. But the fact are you're going to – the allegation is obviously the A sample and B sample with the drugs have come back both positive for Joel Smith, but he's taken this two days out. I think, mm. from a, a game, like yeah. a game. Mm. So you decided to, I think that the pro, it is cocaine is what it's mm. been charged with. So two days out from a game, you think the best preparation for professional performance leading into the finals when you've been a disappointing year gone straight since the year before, you think taking cocaine is perfect preparation. Yeah. <laughs> so are there greater issues, addiction, all sorts of stuff, or that, that will come out in the wash? I think it's sad. It's a sad situation. These players aren't immune to what's happening out in society. No. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, it's funny, on another issue, I was talking about a recent crime in Adelaide, which is not too far from where I live, and mm. um, a sporting club's had its organisation broken into, I think, about eight times in the last two weeks. That's wild. The gang, it's believed to. Police who I'd spoken to around the traps think it could be related to drugs and trying to raise money. This is a real problem. So to say that this AFL football shouldn't do it, yeah, that's true, but it is a pressure that is on society, which is sad. Yeah. It, you also look at the challenges facing Clayton Oliver. You take yourself back to the trade period where he was available, and I know the Adelaide Footy Club are really keen on getting him. Well, they're probably sitting back going, geez, lucky we didn't. Mm. You know what I mean? Because so seven years, seven million, your situation's still up in the air. He's given extended leave now over the break. You can't tell me with what's gone on, he'd be training to the 100% capacity, the best Clayton Oliver version of himself there is so yeah there's some challenges for melbourne but like anything and then there's david schwartz who faced his own demons being a mm -hmm. former melbourne player with his challenges with gambling you know he's obviously expressing concerns because he'd be concerned about what he's seeing with culture related and a few other issues and those issues won't go away until you start winning games of football when your players aren't in the headlines but even then like you win, you win games of football like they were winning games of football like these guys have been good for years. Like, will that make this issue go away? Probably, yeah, but Jack, this not. is the classic. I caught up with some former Port Adelaide uh, people who are heavyweights back in the day, and board members, and coaches, and um, assistant coaches, and people around the traps in the last couple of weeks. Um, and the class, the the conversation that came up was really interesting. Winning hides a lot of things, and it does. Yes. It does. I know in two thousand four when we won the premiership. Some of, within two years, players were in and out of the, the team because of stuff. And yeah. some of the stuff you weren't, you know, weren't aware of, professionalism issues, um, falling away, injury shortcuts, not doing a rehab to the you know, stand. And then things magnify when you're losing. And yeah. when Melbourne's, I think it's two years straight sets after winning a grand final, mm -hmm. when they won that, that premiership in Perth in the second year of COVID footy, 2021, you go, whoa. They're a scary proposition because you look forward to centre and you go, yeah, they've got some good solid players, some elite small forwards, but some hard workmen like Ben Brown type lead up forwards that aren't mm. box office blokes, if you know what I mean. It's not yeah. Wayne Carey here or Jonathan Brown or um, you know, Buddy Franklin. These guys are just a good sinking group. And then obviously from those two years, they've had 
you know, misdemeanor, board issues of the former president. They, they just seem to be around the headlines. And, and I think anything and the good success signs of football clubs and aligned football clubs and aligned football boards. And as you say, and we get to a quote later on about Michael Jordan and um, was it Jerry Krause, who was the old basketball operations manager of the Bulls in the day. But you could you could talk about playing groups and fit playing groups win premierships, absolutely. But really clubs win premierships because you need aligned boards, you need aligned CEOs, the business, revenue. You know, that drives football spending. It's all in one. Football managers, uh, aligned coaches, aligned uh, leadership groups and captains. Yeah, it's a whole collective. And at the moment, it doesn't appear that Melbourne has got their collective from the outside. Absolutely fair. And that does take a whole collective to win and be successful. Now, Tread, as we spoke about a few weeks ago, this um, shed, Tasmania, that was threatening to rail the uh, 19th team coming in. But looks like it might not be a problem anymore. So according to Fox Sports, it is open for relocation or demolition as the stadium is being labelled a project of state significance by the Tasmanian Planning Commission, so everything goes out the back door. Hard, I told you, didn't I? Yeah, you did. <laughs> if it wasn't for the local um, bet demolition company, just to, oh, sorry, we knocked it over accidentally to getting rid of an old tree and people drilling a hole and putting petrol in it. You yeah. know, like, like things, people make stuff go away, and this was never going to be held up by this, um, as you say, this old shed. What, yeah, like <laughs> heritage, 109 year old heritage listed shed that always find a way. Yeah, make a good man cave. <laughs> it'd be it'd be it'd be right up there with the South Australian government getting sledge for building a one way freeway back in the day, wouldn't it? Oh You know yeah. what I mean? Oh. Build a freeway, but I only do it one way. Oh <laughs> uh, some some Victorians. Only to then run an election before. promise to go, you know what? We'll promise to build you another way as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's some big brain mentality that is, isn't it? It's like yeah, well. a freeway, we'll just do it in two parts. Just yeah, well, it's interesting, in. isn't it? Um, uh, and we talk about commercial branding. We like Elzy Oppin's going bunters at the moment. Bulgarian yes. Grigor Dimitrov. Um, his tournament started off to a tad of a bit of a bizarre start, wasn't it? Really, yeah. delayed game at John Kane Arena against a Hungarian Hungarian veteran, Marton. Who? How do I say this? I actually wrote it phonetically so I could understand it. You did that, <laughs> Kosovic. Yeah, yeah. Mikosevic, there you go. I spat yeah. it out eventually. Um, yeah. And reason why, because he was ordered to change his shirt before his first round match, before it could even start. So the issue is he had a number of sponsors' logos visible on his shirt, but the players you know, not restricted when it comes to you know, approved manufacturers or kits or sponsors, but they can only display, display up to two commercial logos in a certain, for a certain size. So he was trying to do a little bit of a sneaky sneaky and do bigger sponsor uh, logos on his T-shirt. Maybe just get a tattoo like the mellow ball and you'll sort it out that way. <laughs> yeah, well, that one's getting sorted out from a, uh, for a yes. court uh, situation, isn't it? What an absolute bizarre situation that one is as well. Speaking of bizarre situations, cricket just keeps having the weirdest stuff going on at the moment. West Indies. So they're going to be fielding a largely inexperienced side at Adelaide Oval with players prioritising the richer domestic cricket leagues elsewhere. So well, This is happening everywhere, Jack. Like We know yeah, the test match is... here in Adelaide starts tomorrow, right? Yep. The West Indies have got seven uncapped players versus the Aussies. Right? The Aussies are just trying to work out whether Steve Smith wanted to move from what batting forward or batting to opening. Looks like he's dictated that one. That's our biggest issue. Mm. Um, <laughs> but they're going to be without their captain, Jason Holder, and all-rounder, Kyle Mayers, you know, for various reasons. Mm. Holder's um, keeping himself fresh for the uh, T20 World Cup. And uh, wow. Mayers is going, well, I'm actually playing in the South African T20 League. Yeah. So Andrew Coley, who's the coach, has done an interview with News Corp mm-hmm. and he said his concerns over longevity of the uh, Red Bull cricket, Test Match cricket, believes I'll need to change the format from five days to four days to make it more attractive. And he said, and, and Reno take it more attractive, make it more attractive to players who are playing white ball cricket. Mm. But at the end of the day, the only money white ball cricket's creating is cash. Yeah, You can't tell it's any more enjoyable for the players. You know, you want to make a test ten, uh, century, mm. right, when things are against it, or do you want to make a 50-year white ball cricket? Like, give me a spell. Like, This is all off the back of money. I think it's a genuine discussion to go, hey, do we actually go from five days down to four days? Because his point was, the coach, mm. is that most don't last five days anyway. Yes. And that's a fair point. 
the five days would probably only be a situation where if you go, hey, you could exercise it for a fifth day. So, mm. you know, Ashes barely went five days because obviously you're making 280 and that's a good score. Whereas the Aussie summer, when India comes out, well, you go, well, some are making five and 600 per inning. So I think that's an, a, a legitimate opportunity to do. But still, I think you, you need a, almost a monitorium across all professional cricket starting with the ICC to say, hey, we're going to have all these T20 leagues. We're going to give you rich, rich, rich. But if you don't put yourself up for national selection, you should not be eligible to chase the cash when there is a conflicting uh, situation. And when I say that, hey, if you are these guys, but how can it be that your captain, well, former captain is Jason Holder goes, you know what, Has he? if he's retired from test cricket, cool. Mm. But if you still want to have a, a bet each way, no. I don't think you need to be in that situation. And, and I just think deep down, you've, you've got to prioritise for um, long-term cricket. So that could end up in a spree of players retiring from test cricket just going because they're going to chase the money and play a quicker format. Yeah. But, but I still think I still think deep down, and maybe I'm just a bit blinkers with this. I'm a tra- uh, cricket traditionalist. I, I love test cricket. Don't worry, I went to the last two big bash games for the strikers and absolutely loved it. And family came along. My wife, who hates cricket, will go. Not hates cricket, but just not really interested in it. We'll mm. go along and watch because it's a bit more entertaining. Mm. I have warned her if we go to the test over the next three, four days, it ain't going to be the same fireworks. You're not going to be wearing blue <laughs> and you're going to be watching a, a red ball and watching bloke, the same bloke's bowl more often than not for 90 overs. Yeah. Play during the heat of the day, (laughs) which will be interesting. But I think, like your point with, um, like obviously the Test century and all that. But you look at the soccer world; like it's all money now. Like they players are giving up playing Champions League football to go play in Saudi Arabia, and now some are wanting to come back. Yeah, Jordan Henderson. Yep, but Liverpool former Liverpool captain. But then that that too then is a classic, isn't it? Because now the next guy who wants to cash in and get his what thirty million dollars? Was he on seven hundred thousand pounds a week? Yeah, something stupid. He was on one hundred and seventy thousand pounds at Liverpool. So he now has gone to Saudi Arabia, gone with Steven Gerrard, who is his coach, and now he wants out after six months. Yeah, money ain't everything. So that's a classic example of what works and doesn't work. Mm. All right, you you don't see Mbappe. He, he, we'll get to him soon on, on some mm. interesting stuff about his contract. But Mbappe, who's arguably the best young player in the world with a couple other absolute superstars. But any guys won a World Cup um, inside the age of, what, 22 years of age or whatever it was. Um, he's not rushing out the door to, you know, because uh, Paris Saint-Germain tried to sell him there. He goes, oh, I'm not going there. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, they do their homework. It depends what, what really drives you. Do you want to win titles yeah. and play in the best league in the world and get played unbelievably well? Before the Saudis come in, everyone would crawl their you know, give their left arm to go and play at the big teams in Spain or in the English Premier League. Yep. Now that Saudis are offering more money, does that make it any different? Does mm. it compromise you more? Yeah. I think it just highlights what people are doing for a living and no one can stop anyone from trying to make the best financial, you know, windfall because you only got a short career and I'll never stand in front of someone going, hey, go and take the riches elsewhere. Well, you're entitled to do that. Mm. But understand what you're heading to. Jordan Henderson... He's playing in front of 6,000 people as opposed to 50,000 and Liverpool fans sing and never walk alone every home game. Yep. Got to be worth something. World of change, isn't it? Now, politics are still getting the world of cricket traders. Um, South African, the South African uh, cricket, they've um, stripped their under-19s captain, David Teager, which is not the uh, ex-Calvin coach, of his uh, leadership title after the Jewish cricket publicly honoured Israeli soldiers. So, for his... Best interests, um, they relieved him of the captaincy. They're deciding that there could be fear of violence and all that, but he's still part of the squad. So yeah, well, I guess you can't. Interest. Yeah, well, you can't stop someone from playing, but what they're trying to do is take away those media opportunities to get involved in politics. And mm. I, I get free speech. I, I'm a big believer in people have their own choices in life and make those own decisions. I can also understand that the people who he is representing don't want then be brought themselves into disrepute. But if you look at the world of cricket, it's largely hypocritical with the way things are going because all of a sudden they whack him for saying um, a Jewish cricketer publicly honoured Israeli soldiers, right? Yeah. You've then got other instances where the ICC uh, supported Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. right? 
whether you believe it or not, that, but I think you've got to be largely impartial to all this sort of stuff. But then we're in a situation where back home, Usman Khawaja, who came out and effectively said that all lives matter, mm-hmm. right? So any death is one death too many. And he was talking about, um, what do you call it? The Is it a war on the Gaza Strip? You know what I mean? Israeli-Palestine conflict that is. Um, and he wanted to wear a black armband in the Perth test, but was stopped. And then he actually wanted to put a dove with an olive branch on his bat and that was stopped. But then he was permitted to do it um, by Cricket Australia in the T20 match mm. when he played for Brisbane. Yep. Um, and then that didn't last long because he actually broke the splice on the bat anyway, so he had to replace it. So <laughs> we're in a situation where he's able to do it in the Big Bash because it's governed by Cricket Australia to a less extent below ICC. But if you do it at ICC level, you can't. So clearly they need to find the happy medium because it doesn't stop professional sport getting involved in politics. They've done it consistently. We've seen it with The Voice. We've seen it with all other bits and pieces, whether it's right or wrong. I've always been a believer that stay out of it because as a, and I always come back to the fans' point of view. Fans pay their hard mo- hard earned to go and cheer for their team or support their club or their country or whatever sport it is. Mm. They, don't, they don't want to be bamboozled with all the latest paraphernalia and political agenda that a party, if they can survive more than three years, is going to push out. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. It just doesn't sit easy with me, any of this stuff. It's a massive grey area. Yeah, it's all sorts of stuff. Um, on to some more cheerful news for South Australia. Formula One, there's a bit of uh, stuff going on here, traders. Yeah, this is um, Tiffany Cromwell, who's a, a South Australian born and based cyclist, obviously based yep. in Europe now, um, rides on the um, world stage, Yep. Uh, professional cyclist. Her partner um, is Formula One star Valtteri Bottas. Mm. Um, I followed him Pardo, for a long period of time on Instagram. I think he's yep. a bloody entertaining unit. It spiked my interest when they did Drive to Survive Series 1. He was yep. at Mercedes with Lewis Hamilton. He was performing really, really well. One of those series was about whether he survived. Um, And in the end, he was moved out for George Russell to come in. He is an entertaining unit. He recorded uh, something recently, took me back to my childhood. He was on Californian beach surfing, and then he did the Baywatch style in (laughs) VB uh, budgie smugglers, jocks. Oh, wow. Doing the dance, um, you know. Some people play the... Play the uh, play the audio. You should. Uh, we should drop it in. Have a listen to this. Some people need to help somebody with the edge of surrender inside. Don't you worry. Absolute classic is. Oh, it was a real entertainer. So what I thought was amazing is there's been a private jet flying around Adelaide a fair bit. And I've noticed, oh, he's back in South Australia. Oh, he's riding his bike because he is a massive cyclist, obviously, like his partner, Tiffany. Mm. So... Little did I realise very, very quickly, it came to the realisation that the South Australian Tourism Commission um, has effectively paid him to head around the state and promote, obviously, the Tour Down Under, the dirt track racing that goes on with that. Uh, they're saying it was a secret fee to promote the state on social media. He's been in the Adelaide Hills watching can- watching two kangaroos punch each other up. He's written Australia. <laughs> he was made out he was kissing a llama that was hanging over the fence or an alpaca. Um in the hills, riding his bike. He was at, uh, it was at Seal Bay on Kangaroo Island. Yes. Um, yeah, he was at the new Southern Ocean Lodge. Obviously, the last one, sadly, was um, burnt down with a massive bushfires a few years ago, pre-COVID, over at Kangaroo Island. So he's been in the Adelaide Hills, Kangaroo Island. He promotes absolutely everything. He's got his own gin label that he's pushing. Um, yeah, oh, I think it's a, a really smart way of getting to it because um, mm. as I, I sit there and look at his um, Instagram, He's done 2,772 posts. He's got 4 million followers. He's following 615 people. Um, he's gone down to the Flurio on a helicopter. He's obviously dyed his hair totally blonde. <laughs> and he's done a he's done a white mullet. Oh, and he's geez. actually shown Boggy, Bogan Aussie. Um, he, he's an absolute classic. He starts out with his normal hair and he comes out with a full uh, blonde mullet because he's in That's Australia. Outrageous. Um, his content's amazing. He's tried to surf. Uh, he's done all sorts of stuff. And this is a guy that based himself in Monaco for the vast majority of the year. But in terms of his stories and his ability to create content, um, I'm showing you little bits and pieces now. 
all the you know down south Lurio coast um in a helicopter he is you know over the wine regions down south i think it's a wonderful piece of business you know and, and when he does he lands in helicopters he has five course dinners and uh guest speaking gigs drinking wine eating food um what and yeah life. it's the rad rattle gravel so it's the adelaide gravel um riding festival so obviously to do with the tour down under and all those bits and pieces but yeah seal bay southern ocean lodge kangaroos even took a photo of the uh, world-renowned malls balks oh, in south australia so in terms of money well spent i'm not sure what they're paying him he's back here anyway because he's um uh partners competing in the racing now this is gonna be the weirdest segue of all time we're gonna be start talking about premier league <laughs> sanctions now <laughs> Because we've we've obviously really coordinated as well. Um, so yeah, not even Forest and Everton overnight. It's come out that um, facing points deductions. Well, Everton facing further points deductions um, after financial fair play. So yeah, not looking good. For can I, as an Arsenal fan, can I? That mm-hmm. that would be the end of it for Everton. If geez, they've made a have they've had a crack, haven't they? Uh, well, it's weird for Everton because they're still appealing the last one. Yeah, but this one's coming out. The so. ten point deduction is potentially. Drop zone stuff, but their form has been the form's been um, good, pretty solid. But so, and this is what I do ask as an Arsenal fan: Manchester City situation still up in the air. They've only got 115 charges <laughs> pending. Can we get an answer on that one? Yeah, would have been nice. Fair chance it'll season. go to appeal. <laughs> would have been nice last season when uh, we were top of the league. Um, but yeah, 115 charges pending. I imagine nothing's happened because I imagine if they're all guilty, something more serious might happen where they might be relegated down the football divisions to like League Two. Yeah. And I did see recently that um Deco, who's now the football boss at um Barca. Yeah, at Barca is pretty much that they've got no money to spend. So yeah. they're they're caught up in financial fair play and obviously other financial issues chasing them. So not great. But still on the uh, soccer world, Sam Kerr reportedly extended her contract with Chelsea in the Women's Super League, which is great news. Obviously, um, is it Arta Football has reported that. She mm-hmm. said that uh, they said she signed till 2025. She was out of contract into this current season, obviously ruptured her ACL. Mm. So it's probably going to be about a nine-month rehab. We'll miss the Olympics, which is sad for Australia because um, yep. she's an absolute superstar. And as we saw with the Women's World Cup, geez, you nearly, she nearly got us over the line. It was unbelievable how that works. But... Yeah, uh, for Chelsea, 128 occasions and scoring 99 times. She is an absolute superstar. Genuine gun. And, yeah, we spoke about Kylian Mbappe before. Um, he's he's out of contract for six months, so clubs can approach him on a pre-contract. So um, offer him whatever they want and he can sign ahead of the new season. So he's obviously been linked to Real Madrid a number of times, but it's looking likely he could stay put. But yeah, well, a bit of a breakdown traders. Yeah, well, it's hard here because Liverpool's been mentioned too. He's always been a bit of a Liverpool fan. As a Gunners fan, I remember when Arsene Wenger tried to get him when he was leaving yeah. Monaco, and they were very, very confident at one stage, thinking it was going to happen because obviously yeah. he grew up following great French players of Pires and Will Todd and Henri and Vieira, who played at Arsenal at the time. But as much as I'm dreaming, I don't think he'll be coming to the Gunners. But if we look at what happened with La Liga team. Um, they tried to sell him at the start of the year, Paris Saint-Germain, yes. to, as we said before. Um, it didn't work out that way to the Saudis. He didn't want to go. He's too young to do that. They thought, we'll do a six-month deal, pay him $200 million, get him out, get a fee for him, and then he can go and do what he wants to do for the last part of his contract. Didn't happen. But it's interesting, too. There's been all sorts of in- inconclusive reports. Um, Fabrizio Romano, who is one of the greatest... Um, story breakers in terms of trades said no deal was done there is no timeline on a decision so that pretty much kills all the other stuff but some of the stuff being mentioned which has actually had some leaks for quite some time so Le Parasetien I think it is as a newspaper they said he's got a contract um, signed in 2022 right so what's happened is he did this deal in 2022 salary of 72 million euros a year so 118 million dollars this is unbelievable signing bonus of 150 million which is nearly 250 million dollars aussie as a signing bonus then there's loyalty bonuses so if he actually decided to tick off to a real madrid or whoever mm. then he'd lose these opportunities for loyalty bonus the first year it was 115 million aussie the second year it was 148 million aussie and now he's heading into the third and final year um, it's word to be $330 million Aussie for loyalty bonus. 
there's word around too to suggest that if he does leave on a Bosman free transfer, which means once his contract's up at the end of June, then he can leave for nothing, is that he might forego those loyalty bonuses. Because remember at the start of the season, he was cast to the twos. He was sent to train with the reserves because they were like, well, no, you are not committed to us. So this is going to be really interesting to see how it takes. I can't see why he wouldn't go to Real Madrid. You look at their team, uh, Victor's Jr., uh, Bellingham and him. Gosh, it would be bloody scary. Yeah, that'd be a frightening team. Vinny um, scored a hat-trick against uh, Barcelona and El Clasico over the weekend and uh, a 4-1 win and let the Barca bench know about it, which is pretty funny. Yeah, gave him a good old good old mouthing too. But um, yeah, this is the bit too that it, Mbappe faces that interesting challenge. Financial fair play is everywhere, right? The reason why Paris Saint-Germain are disappointed but not totally shattered because that frees up $200 million, yep. effectively per payments and bonuses per year that are going to shop on anyone. But only probably three or four clubs could afford him. Barcelona, previous years, yeah, before their financial fair play and financial issues, um, would, but not now. Real Madrid, yeah, could. Um, Manchester City, City could. United probably could, but they're not even in Champions League contention really at this stage. Arsenal, well, could, but you're going to blow your wage structure. Would you want to go there? No, Liverpool, well, they could. But there's only... Not many options. Chelsea could, but Chelsea seems to be a team that is all over the joint at the moment. So Chelsea probably won't be in the market for financial fair play. I think yeah, well, and that's the thing own. is Jeez. that's my that's my point. The more the when he comes, that comes with the issue of balancing the books for financial fair play. Yep. Now, and if Everton get pinged from spending too much on a stadium and costs for building and revenues not coming in and all that, well, the big teams, if you go and sign Mbappe, are going to bite you pretty quickly. Yeah, and they probably make a fair bunch back in merch. That's the opposite end of the scale, though. Um, Hedrick Slith um, in um, Croatia. Um, Nikola Kalinic, he's a striker. He's played there a few times. He signed a one-euro salary. And, yeah, so he's 36. He played um, Blackburn, Milan, Atletico Madrid, Roma. So he's just going to enjoy it, I guess. Yeah, and I assume heavily bonus to say if he actually performs, he'll get looked after. But a one-euro salary, how would you take that, Jack? Do you get it in one one down payment, or would you get it split over twelve months? <laughs> I wouldn't even know. Eh? I'd just pay me a soft serve. Or pay, like that. I'd take ten cents a month for ten months. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cheap deal, but yeah, no, like, um, I think David Beckham's contract at PSG, all his salary went to charity. I think as well. So like, it was his last club. Um, he didn't get paid for his stint PSG. So. Yeah, it's crazy how it all works. Yeah. We move on to... Basketball. This is one of the most disgraceful stories. I just think it's crazy, isn't it? The Chicago Bulls go to honour their six-time champions. Right? Yeah. Two biggest names are Pippen and Jordan. Mm -hmm. They're not there. Pippen doesn't even record a a message. Robin's not there because he couldn't get in because of weather. All right? Yeah, and he was shattered not to be there. Look, genuine his message. Um, Jordan's message looked genuine, but you go, geez, if they're going to do that, surely you'd get him there. Obviously, the Jordan and um, Pippen uh, <laughs> spite is, uh, and yeah, you know, their relationship is obviously not great because I think there's a couple of things. Jordan's son's now marrying Pippen's ex-wife. Um, on another <laughs> note, it was off the back of the last dance where he didn't feel like he was portrayed well enough um but yeah the big story as you're talking about is the um, the late chicago bulls general manager and and jerry krauss who was honored as one of the 13 members of the inaugural class of the bulls ring of honor and ring of guards honor um he's been recognized as obviously the architect of the six championship team this is the guy that you know, did the long-term deal with scotty pippen scotty went through the roof and didn't get paid what he want but it provided pippen and his family security because that's what he chose to do at the time. Made some tough decisions. He brought in Rodman. He, he brought in uh, Kukoc, uh, all these different types of players in this time. Um, this is the interesting thing because his uh, wife was there. Um, and when his name was read out, he was heavily booed by the crowd. Yes. Um, and a lot of this comes back to the Jordan documentary. Um, and this is the bit that was really disappointing. Yeah. You know, and particularly from the quote that was way back when, um, because there was a situation obviously where he effectively said um, players alone don't win championships. Um, 
the alone was taken out and not actually um, portrayed in the documentary. Mm. Um, so his actual quotes at players and coaches alone don't win championships. So effectively saying it, it needs to be everyone to get involved, but it was disgraceful. It was really disappointing because here you go, you've got a widow um, mm. who's gone as a celebration to something her husband did. He's been passed for a few years. Obviously, it was an emotional time, and for the crowd just to turn, just because of Michael Jordan not liking him, I thought it was just poor. Because at the end of all these situations, one person, as you said, doesn't win a flag, or a flag, or a premiership, or a championship in basketball terms. It takes a lot of people. It takes from the people that clean the boots to the person that cleans the court to the someone that cuts the lawn on the oval to the someone that mixes the drinks. Um, and I thought this just put a bad stain. And even Steve Kerr, the uh, former championship winner for the Bulls, um, you know, his multiple championship winner and obviously Golden State uh, coach, even said it was pretty poor. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of people saw that. And uh, Harper, the former player, was the one that really consoled her and he just showed what character's about. Yeah. No, it's a disgrace that, like, how something can just be influenced that much. And obviously, it's so long ago as well like he's been passed for about seven years so for a widow to be brought to tears like that's atrocious and the majority of people wouldn't even know about the role that was played if it wasn't for the documentary correct yep amazing how it all works how's this for a big brain move though Treaders? the miami heat waited until um, eric spalestras i hope i've got that correct his divorce was finalized before giving him his record-breaking 120 million dollar contract I couldn't believe this when I saw this story. You know, he's been the long-time championship, won two championships, I think, with when LeBron and um, Dwayne Wade were there and Chris Bosh back in the day, the Miami Heat. He's been there a number of years, gone through a divorce, and they announced his record-breaking, what was it, eight-year, $120 million contract yeah. extension. He's the yeah. second highest-paid coach in the history of NBA behind Popovich. Yep. Yeah. And Popovich is on $15 million a year. Yeah, he's um, but yeah, the most that's ever been given was US. That is, yeah. yeah. And this is about twelve million a year US. I think it is. It works out to being so. Yeah, I, I suspect that um, his now ex-wife would have done pretty well out of the settlement, but it does look pretty cheeky as if they're trying to hide a <laughs> hundred and twenty million dollar contract from a divorce proceedings. Yeah, just driving off in the courthouse. With... <laughs> you do, <laughs> you do need to get onto the post too and see some of the comments. God, Peter, what brutal. <laughs> just the middle finger salute on the way out yeah now I, I i love the dallas mavericks honestly i love mark cuban what he does um so the yeah the, the he told the mavericks employees that the team will pay out a bonuses of more than 35 million following his sale of the majority stake of the franchise according to espn well it's a, this? Th this is unbelievable because he bought the mavs in 2000 for 285 million if anyone thought there's no money in sports ownership, it's all a big um, black hole in terms of money pit where you burn your money. Well, he's done a right, Cuba, because he sold his majority stake. He still retains 27% in the franchise and he remains in charge of all base basketball operations. So he's in charge of recruiting, hiring, firing, player rosters, acting like the owner, even though he's only a 27% owner, not 100% owner. The new owners, um, this is uh, according to Tim McMahon from ESPN, has effectively said that um, the Mavs organisation with the new owners um, are effectively saying, as you said, 35 million bucks to all the workers to split up. Imagine that for Christmas. That wouldn't be bad. Wouldn't or it? Happy New Year or Happy Sale period because obviously the the Mavs are now owned um, uh, by the CEO of the Las Vegas Sands and his mm -hmm. wife, Sylvia. Um, Sivian. 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 Um, and yeah, it's... It's unbelievable, isn't it? So he hands over the rights to the major ownership that still controls all the stake and then lines the pocket of all his workers. I think they'll be pretty loyal to him. Yeah, I think I don't think they'll be going anywhere. <laughs> I wouldn't be going anywhere. Imagine if you resigned the day before. You spew. <laughs> Absolutely spew. Now, Nike, you're the golf expert, Treaders. What's going on? So what's going Hardly. on with living Nike? Well, the Tiger Woods, as we've seen over the Christmas period, New yep. Year period, that contract has ended. If it's ended, it's ended in the best possible way. There was a statement released throughout the course of our partnership. We witnessed, uh, along with the rest of the world, how Tiger not only redefined the sport of golf, 
but broke barriers all over the sport. We watched him set records, challenge conventional thinking, and inspire generations of people around the globe. And we're grateful to be a part of it. And we wish him all of the best in the future. It's an unbelievable setup how this has gone. Yeah, his Instagram quote that came out and said, it was a hell of a round tiger. Yeah. With a wow. shot of him with the red jersey doing the big fist pump. And they've obviously parted ways in in as good a possible way as you could probably be. Because we, you know, we've obviously seen that. We've seen Jason Day. They've gone through different things. But I've also found some um, this interesting Instagram reel from a former Nike employee to explain exactly why the changes have taken place. Have a listen to this. Why would Nike let Tiger Woods and Nike Golf go by the wayside? I'll answer that in three Ps based on my 10 years at brand marketing at Nike. The first is priority, the second is public relations, and the third is the parceling of the business. First up, priority. Nike's foundation is in running, and they are getting their butts kicked in running right now by brands like Hoka and On Running. So they have to get back to their core DNA, which requires them to sharpen their focus. Golf lost money for them every year, and Tiger was a great brand opportunity when he was kicking down the door and breaking barriers. But the second element is public relations. When he hit the fire hydrant and then the Me Too era hit, he just got to be a riskier partnership for a brand that's trying to elevate women's empowerment. And third, the parceling of the business. For Jordan Brand, they've always been stuck in basketball and really stuck in retro. The opportunity to expand into golf is a great business opportunity to parcel out and diversify their business, whereas for Nike, they need to sharpen down and focus on the big growth drivers for them, like running and basketball. So that's why they're letting Nike Golf go, and Tiger, we all hate it, and it sucks, but they got to focus. It's interesting, isn't it, Jack? It, it, it talks mm. about, obviously, how the focus has obviously turned to athletics. Things have dropped off. Basketball, you talk about golf. They're not making their clubs anymore. Um, and, and then you can also do the break. I've seen breakdowns, too, of um, the different situations of of how things work and what's been said. And, and, you know, if you look at, you know, comparisons in the past against Jordan versus Tiger Woods, and one's a brand and one was outspoken, one was daring, one was quieter, you know, one's in streetwear, one's not, obviously golf not. So they talk about where their priorities land and, and where it goes. And um, it's an interesting uh, onlook because, as you said before, and you said explain what's happening, it now appears that Nike may potentially making the jump to live golf. Right. You know, in a in a post on X, okay, Twitter, Smash GC, um, the live team said smashing it into 2024 with a pair of Nike Dunks because in – Live golf, they generally wear sort of streetwear shoes, some of them, mm. you know, I mean, as opposed to the conventional golf shoe. I know Brooks Kepka does, who's a Nike Nike person. Obviously, he's, he's involved with Live and Smash. Um, and in a picture of the Nike Smash logo, tag Nike shoes in a photo. So maybe that is their future going forward. But while we're still on, um, you're talking about, you know, Jason Day going off to his new partner. Um, in terms of replacing his Nike deal, going into more streetwear stuff. Uh, Aussie Young Gun. Minwoo Lee has signed a clothing deal with Lululemon. And we know oh. Lululemon's in the yoga space and the fitness space, taking yes. up the sort of Nike Pro stuff. Um, this is the first deal of its type that um, Lululemon has made with men's PGA to a pro. We know Minwoo Lee is a young Aussie superstar. Yes. He has got flamboyance written all over him. He's charismatic. He takes the game on. He's young. He has huge upside potential. His social media following's big, all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, so you talk about early 2024 and what the world golfing commercial slash sponsorship space looks like. It's bringing in people who we haven't seen before into the game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For Lululemon, who's known as women's tights mm. and yoga pants, is now bringing in one of the young superstars and even some of the branding too. You know, you, normally the Lululemon and the branding, even as we've seen with Nike in the past, they do a black t shirt with a black swoosh and you'd hardly see the swoosh. We know from our evidence in golf is they'd always have then a white or, or a red swoosh or a contrasting style so you can see it. So the same things for Lululemon. A lot of their branding is black on black, red on red, pink on pink, white on white. All of a sudden now you're seeing contrasting logos and an extra logo. So not only on the, the pec, um, the sleeve, also on the back of the neck. So that is now gearing themselves into a different market because when has a golfer ever thought to wear sweatpants? Yeah. You know what I mean? When have they ever thought to go, hey, they're not going to wear a, you know, roll out the yoga mat and start doing um, Pilates or, you know, or, or doing any uh, downward dogs 
Well, all of a sudden now they're opening themselves up to a whole new market. And if anyone who's worn the Lululemon clothing, I have. Bloody comfortable stuff. Yeah, it would be. No, makes sense. Absolutely. So all of a sudden, Nike pull out on Tiger. Um, Jason Dye's deal um, expires. They may go off to live. Um, And now we're seeing the Minwoo Lees of the world sign off to Lululemon. Who's next? King G's coming back to golf. (laughs) Hard Jacker. Remember that? We're going to have some weird stuff happen Rossi, this year, aren't we? Sponsored by Rossi Boots. No, Blundstones. Just jeans or something like that. <laughs> Remember the ad with Plugger? Swing yeah. And hitting and Warney sconed him with an iron or something? Oh, <laughs> oh what a time. A the business time. world, it's just going... Well, probably it's like the real world in itself right now. There's some weird shit going some on. Some weird shit's going down. And this is exactly the same in the... Um, Oh. In the uh, marketing space. Yep. And now we head to uh, Stanford Bridge for our uh, weird bit at the end because so uh, Todd Bowley, when he's taken over, shit's been weird. Chelsea have signed everyone, anyone, and they're still pretty bloody And selling them on. And when they don't work, they sell them to the Saudis. Yeah. Just uh, straight out the back door. But during uh, their win over Fulham, because as much as everyone's beaten Chelsea at the moment, Fulham still can't win at Stanford Bridge. They haven't won there since the 70s, I think. So not that. A group of men in jackets were standing up at various points in what was later revealed a publicity stunt for the film Argyle. It's produced by one of uh, Bowley's companies. So on one and more than one occasion, they were pretending to brush their teeth. And this is They're in the stands at Stamford Bridge watching this game. They're pretending to brush their teeth. And then the home fans were chanting at them to sit down. <laughs> so promotion's going a weird way. And I don't know why the hell they thought that was a good idea. Oh... I don't know what this film's about, but I don't know why that needs to happen. It makes no sense. I was about a secret agent named Argyle who's on a mission to unravel a global spy syndicate. Why don't they, they say there's no, bridge? there's no such thing as bad publicity? Well, there isn't. Thing. But there's no, some I'm... stupid publicity too that really doesn't work. Oh, it was up there when I first saw boxes. Remember that? When they started putting... Looked like someone used a lipstick to draw a logo of their skin. No. In the big fights. You don't watch any boxing, do you? They used to have brandings on their stickers on their backs and brought to you by this person and that person. Oh, mate. I'm not one to pay for pay per view like that. I'm a tight ass. Tight ass. (laughs) Business of sport. I pay for nothing. Sensational. Well, that wraps us up this week, Treaders. Um, But good to be back. There's plenty of weird shit going on, which is good. And um, join us next week for some more weird shit and analysis on it. (laughs) But some more sports and business and sport business stuff. See you next week. Chat to you then. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Big Deal. Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.